bass. Forevermore. Hey, Brian. Hey, Brian and Stephen. I've lost my bass again. It's it's gone down low. Are you going to turn it up again? Oh, if there's a live stream, it means I won't hear this. Oh, so this will come back up. Oh, I was just testing it out, so I got to get used to this. In the silence, standing on this dry ground, trusting the promise, you're where my hope is found. I'm breathing in, I'm letting go, ready for you to move. The ground is open, new life is breaking through.
We're going. One minute. Check. One, two. Will the monitors come up? Yeah. No. Are the monitors... Brian, <laughs> can you not hear yourself? Brian. Yeah, no. Can you not hear yourself? Um, no. Are they going to come up? Ours are coming through. I don't hear uh, my bass. I can still hear you, Brian. Can I? I don't hear them. I just, I just want to make sure it's working before. Hello, hello. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Good morning, everyone, out there in the comfort of your own homes. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Um, yeah. Uh, it's important to take time out of your week to come together in community. Uh, whether that community is distanced or not, I personally believe it doesn't matter because God will meet you where you are. And that means where you are spiritually, but where you are physically too. And so I just pray that as we move into this service, God would meet you where you are. So yeah, let's uh, sing together. Come
and we are your church and we are the hope come on
Father, we thank you this morning that when we come before you, we can come as we are. Lord, we know that it is because of Jesus, because he became an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but for those of the whole world. We can draw confidently before your throne of grace to receive mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. Lord Jesus, we give you praise today because you opened the way for us and have given us access into the presence of our Father in heaven. How thankful we are. As our heads are bowed in prayer today, and no matter where you are, there's a few of us here in this building and others watching online, and I just pray that wherever you are, whether you're standing, whether you're seated, whether you're walking, whether you're lying down, that you would know right now that the place that you are in, that you can invite the Holy Spirit's presence right there. You don't need to go to a building. You can just make a prayer closet right where you are and meet your Father. And perhaps today something in this song, Come As You Are, resonated with you. That we're reminded that we can come in our sin, we can come in our guilt, we can come in our failures, we can come in our shame. And so no matter what you have done, no matter what has gone on in your life this past day, this past week, this past month or year, would you just let the love of the Father embrace you right now? It just means you need to come before him confessing all that is wrong in your life. And just come as you are. And he will meet you there. Father, thank you. And Lord, today we want to lift up a particular family. We pray for Roger and Melody Baxter in our church. We pray for their son Jacob and their daughter Freya. Lord, as they have been diagnosed with COVID-19, Roger's in the hospital, Lord, and you know that he really is at risk because of the health challenges he's suffered these last two years. Father, we lift him up to you right now and his family. Oh God, we pray right now for healing. We pray that you would deliver him from this affliction. We pray that you would restore him, Lord, and strengthen his body to fight back. We pray, Lord, that there would be no lasting symptoms from this. We just pray that you would be with Melody as well, be with the children, protect them, Lord. And I just pray that they would bounce back. And may they just know that you are with them, Lord. You've not forsaken them. You are there. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you're watching over them. And now, Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather today. I pray for Trent as he brings this message. And I ask God as we've been asking, that we would hear your voice through the voice of this man, that it would be you that we hear, and that we would respond to what you want to say to us and put it into practice. 
Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, come. In Jesus' name. Amen. At Calgary First Church, we want to encourage everyone to connect with God and each other, to grow in their faith, and to serve others in love. Here are some of the ways you can connect this month. Every month we gather together for our prayer summit. It is a time for us to lift our requests to God as we pray for our church and for our world. Join us Sunday, May 23rd at 6 p.m. You can find the Zoom link and other details at firstnaz.ca slash events. Here are some opportunities to help you grow deeper. From May 2nd through June 20th, we will be bringing you a new series of sermons created by you, the church. We wanted to craft a series around some of your favorite Bible verses or passages, scriptures that you have found especially meaningful. We have heard from a number of you, and we hope that you will be encouraged by this new series entitled, Words We Live By. First Naz Youth for grades 7 through 12 is starting a new series in May that will be focused on prayer. They meet every Wednesday evening on Zoom. And stay tuned for more details on an extra Friday event at the end of the month. You can contact our youth director, Molly, to get connected. And finally, here is a way you can serve others. Over the last several years, you at First Church have generously donated several thousand dollars to sponsor children and youth to attend summer camp programs at Camp Harmattan. This year, summer camps will look different than usual, but they are still going ahead. We invite you to make a difference in the life of a child or teen by donating to our Every Kid to Camp Fund. We ask that you give over and above your regular tithes and offerings and that you indicate the money is for every kid to camp. If you're writing a check, please make it payable to First Church of the Nazarene. Or you can go to firstnaz.ca give and make a one-time payment to every kid to camp. Please make your donations no later than Sunday, June 13th. Well, good morning again, everybody, and it is really a privilege, a long-awaited privilege to finally introduce to you Tammy Hyde Mosier. I think I said that right. You Have, did. You did. Okay, thanks, Tammy. And uh, Tammy is our new pastor to families with children. Um, and Tammy, you just moved from uh, Ottawa, or near Ottawa, Gloucester, is that right? Yeah, if you want to get technical. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and uh, to Alberta, and you are an Alberta girl. You grew I up here. I am an Alberta girl. You have family here. I do. Good. So it's like coming home. It is coming home, definitely. You see those mountains when you're driving towards here, and you're like, oh, I can breathe again. <laughs> <laughs> and so Tammy, your your husband and one of your sons are mm -hmm. still back home, and they're finishing off some renovation project. Yes, my husband is a general contractor, and right. he has a job. He's just finishing up. They're hoping to be out of there by the twentieth, and anxious Good. to get here. All right, sounds good. Now, how many children, I know, but maybe you could share, there's how many kids do you have? Well, I have five kids. Right. And they are 22, 20, 17, 15, and 14 years old. Wow. And uh, that's great. And so I think four of them are going to be living here in Calgary, right? Yes, correct. My oh. oldest son lives in Montreal. Great. All right. Now, um, I know that you are... <laughs> You are a fervent preacher, Ooh. and some of us have had the privilege of watching you preach online yeah. and have really appreciated your messages. So uh, you're going to be preaching here on June the 6th, Sunday, June 6th. I am. And can you just tell, so it's part of the Words We Live By series, can you tell us a little bit 
about uh, you chose one of the passages that was given to us by a congregational member. Yeah, I chose Psalms 37.4. Yeah. And as we're approaching that, I just ask everyone to reflect on what are the desires of your heart? Mm, Psalm 37.4. Yeah. God will give you the desires of your heart. Yeah. Okay. Now, I went to the church's website, your church's website, St. Paul, the one you, you were at, yeah. and uh, I looked at some of the things that were said about you on that website, I learned three things. One is you like geeky media references. Mm -hmm. You adore dogs, but you don't have one. No. Yet, okay. And you like peanut butter cookies. Oh, I do. What is it you like about peanut butter cookies? Uh, there's just nothing yummier with a glass of milk. Do you like peanut butter in general? Yes, very much Have so. you tried peanut butter and pickles? No. Dill pickles and peanut butter on toast? Try it. Okay, it I will. It is really good. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, we just wanted to bless you. So Melva Sanguinetti, she's here with her husband. Please come to the front, Melva. And she's got a little gift for you. I think there's uh, about two dozen peanut butter cookies <laughs> in here. Oh, and, what a uh, Thank you so much, Melva. You don't have to share these with anybody. Oh, these but, could but, be but just... I have five kids. I know. <laughs> but we so wanted much, it to Melva. be your comfort food. Oh, okay. Thanks. That is great. Thank you, Melva. Melva baked those. Oh, She's never made yum. them before, so we hope they're up to snuff. You they, know. they smell really good. Okay. Now, <laughs> before I let you go, can you just give us an example of a geeky media reference? Like, what, what is that? And oh, this one. This one just happened the other day, and I don't think it landed well, but it was fun. Um, so um, Megan was saying, um, oh, so you guys are going to go um, look at the church, and Stephen said, yeah, we're going to go on a trip, and so I'm going, on our favorite rocket trip ship. <laughs> I don't think they got it, but well, that's why I said they're geeky. <laughs> that's okay. We like geeky people and geeky references. Okay, so I'll tell you what. I am going to be doing an interview with you, but mm -hmm. we're going to just look at your story, how, yeah. you, you know, how you grew up, and mm -hmm. all of that, and your background, and learn more about your vision for children's ministry uh, and all of that. And so we're going to be hearing more specifics a little bit later on, uh, maybe in a few weeks. But in the meantime, I just want to pray for you, Tammy. Thank you so much. Father, thank you for Tammy. Um, and I thank you, Lord, that we have this opportunity today just to meet her briefly. I thank you, Lord, that she was able to be with us yesterday in our planning session. Um, and I pray, Father, uh, that you would just um, unfold before her what your pathway is for her uh, into the life of our church uh, and into her ministry. I pray, Lord, that she would just feel that she is loved and accepted uh, fully uh, in, our, in our church, Lord God. And may you use her powerfully, Lord, to reach families and to reach kids. And we thank you, Lord God. Help her uh, um, as, they, as she gets set up here in Calgary. I pray for safety for Stacy and their son as they travel back here to Alberta. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for the warm welcome. God bless you, Tammy.
Welcome, and thank you so much for that uh, introduction to Pastor Tammy. I am excited to be able to spend time with her, for us to get to know each other better, um, and I know that she's looking forward to getting to know many of you as well. Um, so there was an elderly minister, and he was close to death. Um, he was in the hospital, um, and he sent word for two of his members to come visit him. Uh, one was a lawyer and one was a politician. You might have a guess where this is going, or that at least it's a joke. Um, the minister motioned for them to come sit beside him. He had, come sit beside me. He's one on his right, one on his left. And the men were very moved by this gesture that this, their pastor would invite them to come, um, be with him in his final moments. And so they asked the pastor, Pastor, why, why are we here? And the old man, he musters up the strength, and he says, Jesus died between two sinners, and that's the way I want to go to. Ah, it's a good joke. I like it. Anyways, that was fun. A fun little introduction to today. Um, but as you saw in that video, we are in a sermon series right now. We're in a sermon series that is crafted and made by you, our community. And today, I want to talk about the Lord's blessing, the Lord's favor. If you knew that right now, in this very moment, God's blessing, God's favor was upon you, what would change in your life? If you knew God's favor was upon you in your workplace, in your circumstances, at school, at home, in your family, how would you respond to that situation? I grew up going to church, and I grew up going to a church where we didn't actually ever talk about the term favor. I, I, I never really heard that used in my life growing up. Uh, there were times when I heard the blessing used, but not so much favor. But when you dig into scripture, these terms, they keep popping up. They pop up a lot. And when you look into the biblical stories, you will see that God's blessing is vital. It's critical. It was necessary for so much to take place. The passage today is Psalms 41, and our dear friend Val chose it. Um, and for those of you um, who don't know Val, she is a wonderful member of our congregation, and we get to hear from her in just a minute as she shares a little bit about this passage and what it means to her. But before we do that, I would like to read Psalms 41. Um, Psalms 41 closes the first book of the Psalms. And so this Psalms, um, along with Psalms 38, 39, and 40, they all seem to be written during a time in David's life where he was going through trial, difficulty, tribulation, struggle. He had ill health, and it was hard for him. And during this time of struggle, he prays and speaks of overcoming with God's help. And it's all about David's honesty and his faith. Honesty about his sin and his situation and faith in God's blessings and his mercies in his life. So, as I read this passage, be thinking about the instructions or the insight that might be in this psalm for us. Um, a chance for us to get honest as we reflect on this. So, Psalms 41 for the director of music. A Psalm of David. Blessed are those who have regard for the weak. The Lord delivers them in times of trouble. 
The Lord protects and preserves them. They are counted among the blessed in the land. He does not give them over to the desire of their foes. The Lord sustains them on their sickbed and restores them from their bed of illness. I said, have mercy on me, Lord. Heal me, for I have sinned against you. My enemies say of me in malice, uh, when will he die and his name perish? When one of them comes to see me, he speaks falsely while his heart gathers slander. He goes out and spreads it around. All my enemies whisper together against me. They imagine the worst for me, saying, a vile disease has afflicted him. He will never get up from his place where he lies. Even my close friend, someone I trusted, one who shared my bread, has turned against me. But may you have mercy on me, Lord. Raise me up that I may repay them. I know that you are pleased with me, for my enemy does not triumph over me. Um, because of my integrity, you uphold me and set me in your presence forever. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. That's Psalms 41. Uh, it's beautiful. Now, let's turn and listen to our friend Val as she shares from her heart. Good morning, I'm Val Friesen. Our message today is on Psalm 41, which speaks to me directly about the hand of God on my life. I love to dwell on this powerful truth and to understand more fully about the difference that God makes in my day-to-day -day activity. I know the God that I love interacts with me daily and he watches over me. And I believe that God knows me and he knows what I'm going through. God even knows what I'm gonna face in the future and he's already working on my life. My part is to trust in him and to be faithful. And even though the odds are against me or my challenges may look really big or that things may look impossible, I believe that God has the final say. I know that the obstacles don't have a chance and nothing can stand against our God. We don't have to struggle so much trying to figure things out or reason them out. God will bring me and you through the challenges and the obstacles. He lines up people and situations ahead of us and he works on our behalf. I think that there will always be challenges and I know that each one of us and trust God to make a way, even though we can't see a way. In Psalm 41, the favor of our God keeps my enemies from defeating me. When I really understand that I have God's favor, I can trust God is going before me. I can believe that he knows the big picture, and I can see that my part is to honor God and to continue to be faithful and to place my trust fully in him. Thanks, Val. If you knew that God's favor was with you, what would you change? If you knew God was for you, what would you do differently as you enter into that meeting that you have tomorrow or the next day? If you knew God was with you, how would you see your present circumstances? 
These are great questions for us to ask. Um, For the last couple of months, I've bumped up against some health scares, small uncertainties that could have long-term consequences and issues. And so, um, and it all started back in the summer. I got some virus, not COVID-19, just to, you always have to clarify that now. Anytime you say I got sick, you have to preface it. Um, But it started with tinnitus in my ear and ringing, and then it kind of like just moved across my face. It was like probably a nerve virus. Um, And because of that, just some things felt a little bit out of whack. Um, And because of that, and like many of you would know, when medical concerns show up in our lives, um, they scare us, and they kind of consume us a little bit at times. The mind starts to wander. You start to lose focus. You feel a little bit more distracted. Your confidence in yourself or in your body starts to go down. Um, You get a little bit shaky. And then you start to have those thoughts and those feelings like, oh, my face twitched a little. Is that, is that part of it? Is it connected? Oh, my eyes feel dry. Oh, no. Uh, like, what's happening to me? And you just can so easily get drawn into the situation that you're in in that exact moment. It doesn't take much. It doesn't take much, particularly in the world that we're living in right now. So you add the scares, the fears, the uncertainties, those challenges, and then on top of it all, we've got ourselves our COVID-19 and the situation that's in front of us, we as a nation, as a city, we as a church, we have felt the brokenness and the unpredictability of this world in new ways that we've never seen before. It's disruptive. It's hard. And a world that we, we try even harder and harder to control and to manage, to make it safer, only reminds us more and more ultimately, that we are not in control. Now we have David. David, who writes this Psalms 41, David composed this song during a time of great challenge. He felt disconnected. His enemies were laughing at him, mocking his condition. His friend betrayed him. Have you you been there? Have, Have you had those kinds of moments of disconnection and sense of betrayal from people that you trusted deeply. He also knew that part of the difficulties in his life, at least in this circumstance, was connected to his own sin, some kind of sin that created tension with his community and even his friends and has brought about this sickness. Have you been there? Or have you just been sick? That's all of us. This is not a spot any of us want to be in. And in those moments, whether it is living in the consequences of our own sin or experiencing the hurt and the frustration of the sin of another person or just existing in this broken and unpredictable world, in those moments we are left with some choices. And David, having faced all of these, the personal trials, the sickness, the sin, the attacks, the gossip, the sins of others, all of that brokenness, all of that coming together, he experienced that as well, and he composed a song, a song which provides a glimpse into David's choices, choices that are instructive for us. If God was for you, how would we act differently? Here's something that we all know is true. Um, What God has for you and your future 
cannot be accomplished without God. What God has for you and in your future cannot be accomplished without God. The plans that God has for your life, the mission that he has for you, it's impossible without him. Without God's blessing, without his grace, we will never end up in the future that God has for us. And it is a good future. Therefore, we need this good God. Sure, you might be able to accomplish a lot through personal skill, competence, timing, your character, and all of those are important. All of those are great. In fact, we need effort. We need to put in our skill. We need to use our knowledge. We need to live virtuous lives. But I know from my own life, and many of you know in your own lives, that that is not where you can't get to the future that you have, that God has for you, with that alone. What God has for you and your family cannot be accomplished without God. David knew it. Moses knew it. You could go down the list. Joseph knew it. Now, Joseph, wow, I love the story of Joseph. <laughs> the story of Joseph, Joseph's brothers throw him into a pit. They eventually sell him into slavery. And he was a man who actually had it all. He had skill. He had character. He had competence. He had the looks. He had all of it, all of these best of human qualities. And he still ends up in a pit, and he still ends up in prison. But Scripture says this, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. Right? The Lord gave him success in everything he did. Yes, difficulties came Joseph's way. There were ups and downs in his life. The same thing that happened in David's life, ups and downs. But both of them knew, both of them knew something that we as Christians know and need to remind ourselves of often, that we can put our trust in God and God's favor, God's blessing in our lives will help us forward, will take us through. Uh, Genesis 30, uh, 39.1, go back to, going back to that, the Lord was with Joseph. That, that sums up everything for me in my mind. The Lord was with Joseph. Everything good in our lives, everything flows out of our intimacy and connection with God. All of it. The Lord was with Joseph. This is the center of blessing. This is the core of grace. This is the greatest favor that we could ever receive from the Lord. David had it. Moses had it. Jesus had it. And I hope that my tombstone is engraved, has an engraving on it saying, the Lord was with Trent. What else is there? The Lord was with Joseph, even when he was in the fields, in the pit, in prison, and in the courtroom. Um, the Lord's activity, his presence, covered this man's life. And it was through that, not just character and competence, that launched him into a place of profound um, contribution and service. It was the Lord's blessing. Are you frustrated with your current situation? Like Joseph, are you willing to remain faithful to God and trust him to see you through this hard time? We need a mindset of Joseph. <laughs> we need to think, um, am I in a pit? It's not a pit. 
it's a pit stop on the way, on the way for our future that God has for me. Um, have you put your trust in Jesus? I would encourage you, decide today, decide right now to do life with God. We need the mindset of David, who in his moments of torment trusts the Lord and doesn't let his circumstances determine the state of his heart. To be honest, when I read these accounts, I, I'm often convicted, because when I look at my situations, I tend to just kind of fall into them and, and overthink them. But when we approach this with humility and we admit that, like, how hard it is, we can really appreciate the, the instruction that David has for us. David um, has great insight. Um, so what choices did David make? Let's, take a gl- let's get a glimpse into some of these behaviors, some of what David did in the midst of torment. So let's jump to verse 4. Um, in verse 4, he admits his wrongdoing. This is so important for us to understand. He's not just there crying out to the Lord and being frustrated. He actually admits, Lord, have mercy on me. Um, he admits his sickness. He's like, I have sinned. Um, are we willing to admit? Are we willing to be honest before our Lord, our contribution to the problems that are in front of us? It's easy for everything to be the world's problem or someone else's problem, but are we willing to own and confess our contribution to the things that are going wrong in our lives? That's such an important step. It's such an important step of humility to admit that we've done some things wrong. And then out of that place, in his honesty, he also is just brutally honest about his feelings. He's hurt, he's sad, he's frustrated, he's he's depressed, he's disappointed, he's not holding any of this back. He's writing, and I think we forget this sometimes, he writes a psalm, he writes a song about this, and he gives it to a choir to sing. Hey, can you sing a song about that time when I was really, really sick and my life was hard and I had sinned? Who, like, who writes songs like that? David does, and we could learn from that. He is brutally honest, not just about his sin, but just about his current state. If, if you've been unwilling to just be honest with how hard things are, with where you're at, I, I encourage you to do that. Be honest with God about how hard things are and where you're at. From there, in verse 10, he continues on. He commits his future into the hands of God. So he cries out, Lord, have mercy on me. Raise me up so that... Now, when I first read this, I read sarcasm. But when I read a little deeper, I realized that this wasn't a sarcastic statement. Um, How I read it first was like, um, raise me up so that I can give my... like give my friends what they deserve, kind of like, like, make me strong so I can beat them up. But that's not what he's saying. He's actually acknowledging he's done something wrong. Give me health so that I can give back. Give me strength so that I can serve, so that I can make things right. Um, In my own life, I know that step one is confession, right? And honesty about my own current situation. But after confession, you got to do something about it. You, you don't just say, sorry, Lord. You have to make amends. You have to find a way to make it right. You have to put in some effort. And he's saying, Lord, give me the strength so that I can make it right. 
What a beautiful and hard, scary request. Lord, make me strong enough so that I can make this right with this person that maybe I've had issues with or this transgression or this problem. Give me the confidence to be honest. It's a beautiful, very important instruction for our lives. Are we willing to do that? It's hard. Verse 11 and 12. Um, this kind of whole area, basically from this point of surrendering his future and saying, give me strength, he then has this reflection saying, you know what? I'm not dead. Therefore, God's still in this. He does not give up. He sees the good in his life as evidence for God's grace and blessing. For me, when I read that, I was like, I was convicted. I was like, Trent, just take the, the smallest thread of good and see God's goodness in that. You have to see that. You have to look at those things. Are you willing to see even the smallest, thinnest thread of goodness and say, there's God. God is in that. I see God's blessing in that. And David, in his worst situation, praises God. He gets excited about God's grace and blessing by just taking the smallest little bit. What a helpful, good reflection for us to have in our lives. Uh, I love it. It's an encouragement for me that in the midst of his suffering, with his enemies all around him, he's still able to realize that God is still with him, that God is pleased with him, and it motivates him to continue to live by faith before the Lord. We have to maintain our faith and confidence despite the circumstances we face. Now, I'm not saying this is easy. This is hard work. And I'm not saying that we just ignore our doubts and our confusion or frustrations. But in the midst of our doubt, we have promises that we can cling to. We have promises like Galatians 3.26. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. Or Romans 8.38-39, common classic. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor nothing else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. See what kind of love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. John, or 1 John 3, 1. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. Have we forgotten these? I, I forget. I miss out on this. And, and when life comes and when challenges cause us to see the problems and not see the promises that are in front of us, we are invited back to see promises. We are invited to model our lives after David, who, despite it all, still saw and gave glory to God. Choose today to turn your attention back to God's goodness. Do we really think that God doesn't care? He does. He cares so deeply. He loves so deeply. 
We know this through what he did with Jesus Christ. We know that his son, Jesus Christ, having died for us, saved us, has gone the extra mile, the ultimate mile. That even in our darkest moments, when even that thin thread of goodness seems to have evaporated from our entire lives, we still know that our Savior, through love, chose to sacrifice himself because of his love. His love for the Father and his love for you. Knowing God's blessing is with you, how does that change what you do? Charles Spurgeon said this about the promises of God. The sacred promises, though in themselves most sure and precious, are of no avail to the comfort and sustenance of the soul unless you grasp them with faith, plead them in prayer, expect them by hope, and receive them with gratitude. David, out of all of this, praises God. That's where this psalm ends. It ends in a declaration of praise. Are you willing to seek the forgiveness that is necessary? Are you willing to ask the Lord, give me strength so I can make this right? Um, There is a path forward. And this psalm gives us some insight into that. And while we are being faithful, God is working behind the scenes to make your life fruitful. He is setting things up. He is at work. He's going before you. He's, he's making ready space that you didn't even know was possible. His care is for you. He is working for your betterment. And for those of us in Christ Jesus, we know with certainty that as children of God, he is faithful, that he is guarding you. Let us live like this. Let us embrace this model of living. Now, we could end there, but we're not. We need one more. I could not shake this. There is one more thing. If you truly want the blessing of God, when we read this Psalms, it leaves no wiggle room. As I worked to prepare this sermon, I could not kind of escape it. I just felt like the Lord kind of poking at this, saying, If you're going to say all of this, you you need to say this. All through Scripture, time and time again, it is made crystal clear that God's heart is for the weak, the poor, the helpless. David knows this, and he concludes, and it's the very beginning of the Psalms passage. You might skip over it, but we cannot deviate from this. It says this, Blessed are those who have regard for the weak. The Lord delivers them in times of trouble. You can't escape this one promise. We can't read Psalms 41 and skip over this. Psalms 41, read in a different way, could say, blessed is the one who considers the poor. Or, oh, the joys of those who are kind to the poor. The Lord rescues them when they are in trouble. Blessed is the one who has concern for the helpless people. Blessings come to those who help the weak, the poor, the helpless. To me, it sounds kind of like a beatitude. To me, it sounds like something Jesus would say to us. 
David has this insight right at the very beginning. We can't ignore this. We have a blessing that comes from our service, from our care of the weak and the helpless. And he goes on this quick list, and it's a beautiful list. Um, those that are under this blessing, those who care for the poor and love and, and nurture those who are weak and helpless, he delivers them in times of trouble. He protects them. He preserves them. He sustains them when they are sick, and he restores them from illness. But it's so much more than what we receive from a blessing. And Joseph understood this. This is what I love about that story. After all of Joseph's ups and downs, his trials and all of that, when he's sitting and standing in front of his brothers, the same brothers that threw him into a pit, it says this in Genesis 50, 20. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians says this, he comforts us, and it's referencing God, he comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort others. When we are troubled, when they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort he has given us. Blessed are those who have regard for the weak. This is our call. This is our mandate. This is critical for us as Christians to understand and to lean into and wrestle with. We might ask, who are the weak? How do I have regard for them? Well, for starters, the weak, poor, and helpless are not likely to ask for help. They're too busy drowning to cry out for help. They're too busy just trying to stay alive, trying to survive, to turn to a friend and say, I need help. And in this season of social distancing and self-isolation and disconnection, the chances are high that there is great need all around, but it's not going to walk up to us. We're not going to bump into it. We're not going to see or know the needs unless we go looking. And this is our great challenge and call. We cannot wait for the weak to find the strength to ask us for help. Asking for help requires strength, and they don't have it. And so at the very least, pick up the phone and call a friend. Ask them how they're really doing. Send a text to those who have gone silent in your community. Because we know this. Those who are trapped in abusive circumstances, those stuck in systems of oppression, they can't just rise up out of it. They require support. He comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort others. When we are troubled, we will be, when they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God gives us. Church, we must not be passive to the needs of the weak, poor, and powerless. God helps those who cannot help themselves. And that is our call too. Psalms 41 makes this pretty clear that God's blessing is on those who have regard for the helpless. So let's be like David. Let's confess. Let's get honest. Let's commit our future to him. Let's make right the wrongs that we have done. Let's See the good wherever we can and praise the Lord. And in all of that, let us consider the poor, the weak, and the helpless that are too poor, weak, and helpless to even ask 
for help. And that is where great blessing comes. I'm going to invite the worship team up. I'd like us to, I'm going to, I'm going to say a prayer, a quick, ironic, the ironic blessing. Um, and I just want you to receive this blessing from our Lord. And then together we'll sing, and then we can go our way. So it says this, Tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. May you know this today. Amen. Let's sing together. Um, please join us in one last song here. And just think about the ways that you're going to enact what Trent has, has told us today. Um, and think about the reason. Um, and as cliche as it is, I can name 10,000 off the top of my head. But that's what I think of when I think of this song, is just how much we have to be thankful for and how many reasons we have to give back for what God has given us. So just think on those things as we sing this last song.
dawn that day when my strength is failing the end draws near and my time has come still my soul will sing your praise unending ten thousand years and then forever sing it out now Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. Go in peace, and may the Lord be with you as you go about your week.